It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high-quality standards. Even Justin has started drinking AG1, and he tells me that it really helps his energy level, helps with stress, helps his gut health, all that good stuff. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner to the Dinners on Me podcast. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. Hi, it's Jesse. Today on the show, author, mother, champion of causes, and one of the smartest people I know, Chelsea Clinton. I'm just laughing because last night somehow at dinner, Aiden and Charlotte said, oh, like, you know, dad is the patriarch of the family, mom is the matriarch <laughs> of the family. And then Aiden was like, and which is the most important? And Mark was like, in, in this family, your mother. <laughs> That's right. This is Dinners on Me, and I'm your host, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. So I'm only five years older than Chelsea Clinton, and yet she's been someone I have looked up to um, since I was a kid. I know that it must have been impossibly hard to be thrust into the public spotlight during the height of puberty, but her poise and individualism at that young age always inspired me. Our paths finally crossed one another on turf that I felt very comfortable on in the theater. It was bizarre being introduced to this person I had watched grow up in a world so incredibly different than mine. I mean, I already knew so much, not only about her, but her family. And yet she made me feel comfortable and welcome. And she was the direct opposite of intimidating. I've noticed as I've gotten older that it's harder to forge new, meaningful relationships, but Chelsea and her husband, Mark, have been such wonderful additions to mine and Justin's lives. She's constantly giving me great parenting hacks while simultaneously picking my brain about how I'm navigating fatherhood. She patiently and graciously explains politics to me when I have dumb questions, while assuring me that the question is not actually dumb. It actually usually is. And somehow she does all of this while being a blast to hang out with. So I was thrilled when we were finally able to make time in her insanely busy schedule to have a meal together while I was passing through New York. Hi! We decided to opt for an early bite at Upland in the Flatiron District. Upland has this great light and always feels cheerful and bright. The menu is kind of rustic Californian, but there's also this French brasserie vibe to the space. It's so cute. And I thought it would be a great place for us to sip some coffee and, and catch up on things. So let's get to the conversation. Did you, did you run this morning? Uh, I didn't run this morning because it was just so hot already early this morning. <laughs> I will run inside later. I remember specifically you telling me when you were training for the marathon, and I was like, oh, do you run a lot? And you're like, yeah, you run every morning, like at five in the morning. It's true. Before with, the kids wake up. With lots of other people. I was like, so, that is insane. It's, it's such a gift to see the city, like, transition, like, just going home from work or whatever else right. I've been doing, or going to work. Yeah. It's great. I, I used to also, before I became a parent, run at night sometimes. Right. And now I just, I really like being at home with my kids and like yeah. watching them on the baby monitor creepily, maybe. <laughs> just like knowing that they're there down the hall yeah. and I can peer at them through a screen or go quietly open the door and not wake them up. We're in the thick of it with Sully, who's 10 months now. And there is that thing of like going back to like... Oh, God, sleep training. I know. And, like, I'm so excited for, because we're not going to have any more after Sully, but, like, every, after every phase, like, I was like, okay, now I get to get rid of, like, this bouncing baby Bjorn. Like, I get to donate that. And, like, I'm oh so excited gosh, to, like, purge things. Bjorn. Remember those? Yes. Yeah, that phase. 
so there is something I think like wonderful about like all those passages you go through yeah. with your child. Of, of course, most importantly, supporting them, but then also feeling like and now we really have like moved on. Yeah. I know. I was like, wait, like Thor, the walkers, the walkers. You know, Jasper's in his big bed now, and like, bed. I know, potty trained, potty trained, potty trained. That was a whole other thing. Like the amount of parades that Justin and I threw for Beckett every time we went to the bathroom, because like you want him to be so excited and proud of himself. We just like hunkered down for like three days and three days. Just yeah, did it, it works. Like the, the, that book, like potty training yeah, in three days. That's right. Genius. <laughs> I, I, I'm never really paparazzi, but Justin and I were on a vacation and I was on a beach and I was reading that book and that's the Amazing. paparazzi shot. We used to be a copy of that. <laughs> I will. I'll look forward I mean, I, I never want to give them any like ancillary income of like downloading a photo, but I feel like that might be worth it. That might be worth it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's rough, but I was teething? so happy. Sully teething? Sully's teething. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any hacks for that. There was a moment where Mark was traveling in Charlotte. It was probably around the age of Sully, like nine or 10 months, and getting three teeth at the same time. And just, I felt so helpless. And yeah. I wound up singing Wheels on the Bus. This is maybe like the <laughs> apogee of my parenting. I wound up singing Wheels on the Bus for more than four hours. <laughs> I mean, every animal I could think of got on the bus. Uh, it was like Noah's Ark on the bus. Yeah. All our friends got yeah. on, you may have got yeah. on the bus. I was yeah. like, who else can I throw on the bus? That's right. And every time I stopped singing, she would like burst into tears oh again. And God. I was like, oh my gosh, it was like a Saturday. Who can we put on the bus? Sunday. I was like, I was just like, we all, I like, I think I FaceTimed my mom at one point. I was like, you need to sing Wheels on the Bus. My mom was like, hi. <laughs> it's like, I just, I need everybody to participate. And <laughs> Give she me also, a verse. Give me a verse. She didn't want any other song. Like, I think I tried, like, you know, down by the bay and twinkle to a little star and That's the only so thing that calmed her was wheels this and then she finally like fell asleep in my arms and I was like oh gosh I can stop singing about like wipers and cats <laughs> so uh, funny yeah, that gets very into Taylor Swift and Beyonce right now because that's what we're listening to in the car. Because you, you have good taste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have good taste. So he requests these people, yeah. Wait, hi, how are you? Thank you so much. How are we doing today? Good, Very thank good. you so thank much. You. May I have an iced coffee, please? That's exactly what I want, oh. too. Great. I will take some milk on the side. None for me. No, thank you. Just black, please. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great. If you have questions, let me know. Thank you so much. I think we met probably at like a public theater gala or something. Yes. I, think that's I remember right. having like a brief introduction to you, but then the next time I kind of met you was when you came to see Fully Committed, which was this one-man show I was doing on Broadway, and Jason Moore, who's a friend of your family, yes. directed it. So he told me, he's like, oh, Chelsea's coming to see the show on Saturday matinee. I was like, oh, great. I would love to say hello to her afterwards. So then I got this message. They're like, okay, so Chelsea's like 12 and a half months pregnant. <laughs> so um, you come back and you're so sweet. And I was like, I'm so glad you came out to support Jason. This is so sweet. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, Jason Moore. And you're like, what about him? And I said, he directed the show. And he said, I had no idea. I was like, well, I thought that's why you were here. And you're like, well, no, I came to see you. But also one of the main reasons I chose this show was because <laughs> I'm so pregnant and I can't sit for very long. And I was looking was for perfect. a one act play. 90 minutes is perfect. And then you were like, you backtracked, like, but I love the show. And that's not like, why? Like, and I like, love Jason. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all that, everything was, and I did love the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, and your director. But admittedly, yes, it was the, the convergence of being a fan of yours and also candidly uh, the duration. But what I loved about that is it's like, because I didn't know you very well. I was like, I love how honest you were and like kind of also like self-deprecating. Sometimes to a fault, honest, yes. But I, I just appreciated that so much because it's like, you know, I, I don't know if, it was just a, a lovely thing for you to admit because I was like, I totally relate to that too. Like sometimes I just want, I don't want to sit in a theater for more than three hours, you know? And yes. I, well, I, you were very sweet to come and very sweet to say hello afterwards. But that's the first time I think we kind of like truly connected. Thank you so much. May I have the little Jim salad with salmon, please? Um, and may I have the dressing on the side? And there's no croutons on that, right? Is there? Yeah, because I'm gluten-free. Thank you so much. I'm going to do the Caesar with salmon. Ooh. What is the roasted eggplant agridolce? It's super tasty. Um, it's eggplant that's been sliced thin and then it's oven roasted. It's served with Mediterranean spices. It has a little bit of heat to it, um, but there's a sweetness from the agridolce, which is a reduction. Um, 
it's kind of got this like sweet savory thing going on. It's good to the menu. Great. May we please try that as well? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we did a double day, Justin and I, and you and Mark. We went to go see um, Network on Broadway mm-hmm. with Brian Cranston. And we were going to go say hello to Brian after the show. And when the show ends, do you remember this? There was a video of, I think starting with Nixon, of presidential uh, inaugurations and swearing ins. And then it went all the way, went forward in time, all the way up to, at that point, Trump. And this was all happening when the show had already ended. There was this video happening as the audience was leaving the theater. So we were walking down the aisle toward the stage to go to backstage. And you were watching this video screen and you saw what was coming. You're like, oh, get ready for me with my zits in like three, two, (laughs) one. And then all of a sudden there you were. It was like you and your dad and like you knew exactly where you were standing in that moment. And I was like, this is a crazy moment for me because I remember watching that on TV. And I was like, now I'm standing with you. We're watching it in a room full of strangers after this show that was really intense. And and people started watching us. And people started watching us. Very (laughs) meta. Very meta. And I was like, wow, this is an insane moment. And I mean, it's probably something you kind of live through every day, just, you know, being a public figure and people knowing who you are and having certain opinions about you because they feel like they know you. I deal with it a little bit on some level, just being an actor and being in people's living rooms on, on from, you know, my character on television. But what has like, just in general that been like for you um, as an adult navigating through that? Well, I think... You know, I can't answer that question about being an adult you know, without just, like, the candor that I was a public figure as a child, right? Yeah. Like, you know, as you just were referencing, my dad was governor of Arkansas when I was born. Mm-hmm. And then he lost in the Reagan landslide, and then he won again in 1982. And I don't have any real memory of that. I mean, my, right. my earliest memory is being in the house on Midland, not the Arkansas governor's mansion. And falling down the stairs and my mother picking me up and reading to me, I'm sure, something like wonderful, like Good Night How Moon. old were you when you remember that? Two. That was two. Wow. That's um, a early memory. And I remember my dad running in the 1984 election. Um, and I remember being like very proud of like mm. my flag waving and sticker hand outing. Because yeah. when you're a little kid and yes. you're... Any pomp and circumstance. Yeah, oh exciting. my gosh, like the bunting, mm-hmm. you know, all the pageantry. Yeah. And also when you're a little kid, there's not much you can do to support your parents except you know, cheer at yeah. the right moments yeah, 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 yeah. and hand out stickers and wave flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, when I got older, like stuff envelopes or answer the phones back when sure. we all had like old fashioned landlines and campaign right. headquarters and at home and everywhere else. So I don't I don't know what it's like to not be a public figure. Right. I just made a decision a long time ago that I was going to lead my life and make the best and right choices at any moment that I could. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways I was more well prepared for like adult public figure life right. and like social media where arguably now everyone is a public figure, right, in their yeah. own communities, mm-hmm. in their own ecosystem because of how I grew up. Right. And I think about this with like people who are born into like like Drew Barrymore, for example, you know, but then there's that point where it's like, okay, I have to figure out where my current is, you know, apart from my parents, apart from my legacy. And I think you've done a really remarkable job with that. I mean, both alongside your family legacy, but then also independent of that. Is that something that you're cognizant of? You know, I'm very uh, proud of my parents and have been very proud to sometimes be in the like position of supporting them, particularly, I think, for my mom when she was running you know, for the Senate or then president or when she was secretary of state. You know, for my father and his like post-presidential life to work alongside them. They've always worked incredibly hard, whether as a little kid in elementary school or in my kind of professional life in my you know 20s and early 30s where I was you know, not doing anything you know, explicitly related to my family to kind of overprove myself that I sure. more than had earned kind of whatever opportunity or position because I've always known that people had preconceived notions mm-hmm. about me and that it was my responsibility to hopefully help them uh, overcome those over time. Right. And like kind of program a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, though, becoming a parent, you know, yeah. really has helped me very much feel deeply secure. And I, again, I'm really proud of my parents, incredibly proud of the work that we do together now, mm-hmm. grateful for the opportunities. Though now my most important role in life is being you know, Charlotte and you know, Jasper's yeah. mom. And there's so much that I want to do 
you know, as a as an advocate, as an author, you know, as an investor, as a mentor that I know my parents are really proud of, right. that my parents are really proud to support me and that my parents are really excited to sort of see where any and all of that, yeah. you know, takes me and where I take take that. Yeah. Vanessa Carey, I read that she said, you know, when her father, John, was running, you know, being an adult child of a candidate, there's this really painful decision you have to make whether or not, there's really only two things you could do. You could step back and, like, just maintain privacy or you have to, like, kind of say, I'm here to support you and then, in turn, sort of sacrifice privacy and, you know, continue to put yourself in a place of where you're under the microscope of America. And obviously, you know, you've, you've chosen to be very, very supportive of, of specifically your mom, which, you know, I think there was an opportunity to like say, like, I'm going to step back and like let you do your thing and I'm here to love you and support you. But like you were very, very present, you know, choosing to be in front of the press in interviews and now, you know, taking such a significant role in the Clinton Foundation. Was there ever a moment where you thought like maybe this is something I, I don't want to do or don't need to do, or you said it best, like, but you think about your family. I mean, that's your most important role right now is, is your children and and to be, you know, the matriarch of this beautiful family that you created. I'm just laughing because last night somehow at dinner, um, Aiden and Charlotte, I can't remember which one, said, oh, like, you know, dad is the patriarch of the family, mom is the matriarch <laughs> of the family. And then Aiden was like, and which is the most important? And Mark was like, in, in this family, your mother. <laughs> that's right. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> keep, keep everything on time and organized. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, we'll hear the romantic backstory of her marriage and one of her favorite things she likes to do with her kids. Okay, be right back. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, Hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying, something's different about you, but in the best possible way. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes rhodiola and B vitamins for an energy boost. I just sort of added it to my morning routine. You know, you brush my teeth, I floss, I have my AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. You know, I think, you know, Jesse, for me, I was for a long time, like in my 20s, like when my mom was running for Senate, I took a term off of Stanford to be with her on the campaign trail. And I did that in a kind of public-private way in some ways because I wasn't giving speeches. You know, I certainly wasn't, you know, talking to the press, but I would sit down in a coffee shop and talk to anyone about why I'd hope they'd mm -hmm. support my mom. I would talk to anyone on a rope line. I would, 
you be there to uh, help her think about something else after a long day of campaigning. My grandmother was alive at the time, and my grandmother, mom, and I had like a little book club of sorts. So we would like all read the same mm-hmm. book, and then we would talk about that. And so it was sort of on like the edges of, uh, but still very central to, in the way that that felt like authentic and right to me. And mm-hmm. then in, when my mom ran in 2008, I just felt like I have to go tell anyone who wants to listen, like why I. I'm so proud of my mom, like why she's an awesome mom and also such a kind of deeply awesome, committed public servant and why I think, you know, she should be our president. And then, so I I took a leave of absence and went on the campaign trail and I still had this sense of like, you know, I will talk to anyone. I will give speeches in front of like two people or 2,000 people. And that's what I did for months, like on the campaign trail is, you know, such a proud daughter and proud surrogate and supporter advocate for my mom and then support then candidate and then later like President Obama. And then I went kind of back to life. And I think because I'd been so out there, while I had always attracted press attention, like I always had the paparazzi following me around periodically. You know, I was like, how many pictures can you take of me like with a cup of Starbucks coffee? Like I don't (laughs) understand like why these are like sufficiently interesting to like show up on page six. After that, it never really went away. And so and so I either could just be kind of on the receiving end of it or I could try to kind of harness it and redirect it toward like things that I really cared about. And that was a life changing decision for me, but gave me more kind of agency that was important to me and continues to be important to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bon appetit. Yeah, this looks delicious. Um, My salmon never looks like this, I would just (laughs) like to say. At home, it's never (laughs) quite as perfectly either cooked or prepared. Uh, The only meal I've had at your house is pizza. Oh yeah. Well, we eat pizza on Friday nights. Yeah, I think I was supposed to do yeah. it on a Friday night. Our kids eat a pretty consistent meal throughout the week because it just, like, removes stress during the school week. Sure. But, like, generally it's salmon on Monday. Uh-huh. Tacos on Tuesday. Good. Turkey meatball pasta on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> like, roast chicken on Thursday. They get pizza on Friday. And then we choose different meals to cook yeah. on the weekends together, which is so fun. Cute. I really, it's been great. Like, cooking and baking with our kids on the weekends. Yeah. It's so fun. I think it, you know, it teaches them so many like practical skills, patience, early chemistry, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. early math. Yes, you can't have too much salt or sugar in something. That's right. Also, there's something about the time you have to take to make something. Sometimes it takes, you have to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, actually, as an adult, that's why I love cooking so much is it's a meditative process. And I feel like with Becca, we were baking the other day. What were you making? We just made cupcakes. Great. But, um, you know, just the learning about patience and like you know we have to now really? wait for this thing to finish baking and um he's really having a hard time with timelines right now like you know taking a nap he wants to know how long that's going to be and if you say for an hour and a half it's just like that sounds like a lifetime and <laughs> so you know we're, we're that's what we're working on right now patience the different ways you have to have patience yeah i think is also really good for kids yeah and then you get like a delicious red velvet cake yeah. or <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we're making. You and Mark met at Stanford, right? No, we met as kids. You mm-hmm. did? Mm-hmm. We met as kids, and we were friends for a long time. We were friends in college. Then you know, we both wound up in New York. And like we were at dinner one night, and all of a sudden we were like, oh, I think we might be on a date. Like maybe this is different. Maybe something is shifting. Really? Uh-huh. What age did you meet Martha? Uh, we met um, when we were kids. His parents were both involved in politics. and I came, heard about this, and I want to ask you about and that. And came um, to something called Renaissance Weekend, which had been started in the early 80s, I think, mm-hmm. uh, by initially a group of kind of Southern Democrats and kind of progressive policy thinkers and advocates kind of in the aftermath of the Reagan landslide mm-hmm. and then kind of grew just beyond the South. And so I grew up going to Renaissance Weekend, which was always over New Year's in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And then it became much bigger. And I think it now maybe is in Charleston, but that's where I spent every New Year's Eve as a kid wow. and his family was there too. So we met when I was uh, 12 or 13. Right, right, right. What was your courtship like with Mark? I was like, well, we were already such good friends. 
that it just felt quite, I think, organic. Uh-huh. Also, a little bit surprising. I remember when I called my my mom, really, to say, like, oh, you know, I'm dating Mark. My mom was like, Mark who? Because she had known him <laughs> for so long as a friend. It just hadn't occurred to her that there would be a evolution, I guess. I mean, so tell me if this, this is an accurate mm. assessment of Mark. I find him to be really, well, first of all, he is very funny. He's hysterical. He's hysterical. If he didn't work in finance, I think he'd be a stand-up <laughs> But there's something sort of mischievous and a little bit like, I want to say, I guess I want to say rebellious about him. Is that accurate? I think that's accurate. He definitely, like, very much goes to the beat of his own drummer. Mm-hmm. Not in a disrespectful no, way. No, no, no. Um, or a dismissive way toward anyone else, just sort of like he has this deep sense of like what he thinks is right, um, but also what he thinks is fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many jokes in our house and a lot yeah. of like, you know, not dangerous, like, you know, G-rated mischief that <laughs> he is as likely to have been a provocateur of as our children. Uh huh. Um, so I think your sensibility is like spot on. And he would be very thrilled to be described that way. Of course, I've, I've gotten to know you as an adult. I didn't know you as a kid. But I love the way Mark compliments you in that yes. way. Because um, he he's also wildly less... intelligent. But, like, there is something yeah. sort of, like, playful that brings out, I think, a side of you. At least I see it when you're together. And I think is really charming. Well, thank you. He helps <laughs> me be less serious, which is important. Because otherwise... Yeah, I could just sort of only be earnest. Right. And I like to think I have other parts of me, too, that he helps kind of bring to the surface. For sure. 100%. No, no absolutely. And he's also just such a good dad in the way that, like, you hope you know, your partner will be, mm-hmm. if that is an important aspect of what you hope for your own life. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. And mm-hmm. while I'm very close to my parents, I think particularly as an only child, I'd always hoped to have a sibling. Yeah. Like constantly ask my parents, initially for an older brother or sister, and then I realized, oh, that's probably harder. Right. And then for a younger one. And they've spoken openly about how they tried to have more children and weren't able to. Mm-hmm. So I'm very aware of how like lucky and blessed we are to have three healthy, happy yeah. kids um, and that they have each other. Were there moments just growing up and, you know, under such an intense lens where you were wishing that you had a sibling to, to go through that with? Absolutely. Like, you know, I don't have a sibling. I don't have any cousins that are my generation. Like, I don't have nearly the kind of bench that Mark uh-huh. you know, grew up with. Yeah. And, like, a big, rollicking family. So, yes, absolutely. I would think, like, oh, I, you know, I wish there was someone I could experience this with or talk to about this. I will say, thankfully, I also have very good friends. Mm-hmm. And I have very good friends from every part of my life. I'm still very close with my best childhood friend. Our mothers met in Lamaze's class. She's Amazing. six weeks older than I am. I've truly known her my entire life. Wow. And I have very good friends that I now have met over the last years who are the, you know, moms of my kids' friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that, thankfully, has always been very grounding mm-hmm. to me. So while you're absolutely right, like I, I would wish that I had a sibling, I never felt um, like I didn't have people that I could share an experience with or talk to about something kind of big or small. Right. I mean, being a mom now and being a public figure, I'm sure you can, and I, I feel this way with, with my children too, you know, there's a lot of protection that happens around just making sure that they have as normal of a life as, as possible. Yes, absolutely. And I, I know you've talked about how your parents were very good about, you know, making sure you had as normal of your life as possible, but you are also moving into the White House. And the entire country is watching you do that. I mean, what were some of the things that they did to keep your life grounded in reality? It's hard. A a few of my friends came with us for that first week, which was really nice. A few of my friends from Arkansas came and stayed with us in Blair House, which is kind of the official guest residency of the White House Mm -hmm. um, and where the president-elect stays. Also helped that, thankfully, I made good friends. quickly at my new school. I still had to make my bed. I had like chores that I had to yeah. do. So I think they were quite thoughtful in kind of helping me feel like this was my home. And yet also like, you know, when I came home from school, I walked into the diplomatic receiving room. Like I, I always was aware and felt a real responsibility to be like respectful mm-hmm. like of this, of the people's house where we were living. Right. And I can only imagine as a kid, you know, when you're, you moved in when you were 12, I 12, believe. Yeah. You know, and Charlotte's four years away from this, but like those years are so formative. I mean, that's 
puberty, that's like, there's so much that goes on that had to have been intense in a lot of ways. And just also the way it was. I think in some ways, like, you know, I just didn't want to leave my friends. Like, like any yeah. kid, I think when they're moving from one place to another for their parents' job, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. In what ways did those years, such formative years, inform the way that you're a mother now? I'm fiercely protected my kids' privacy. Yeah. Because I want them to be able to discover who they are without yeah. other people's opinions and you know, that they should be able to write their own story without others kind of imposing narrative. I think also, like bluntly, we're you know, in, a, in a more dangerous place today mm-hmm. um, than we were 30 years ago in that like, the violent rhetoric from the right in this country, which is not infrequently directed at my mom or my dad or our family makes me feel the sense of, you know, protecting my kids' privacy Mm -hmm. to protect their privacy and also for their safety and just being kind of mindful of that in a way that hopefully then means they don't have to be mindful of that. Right. Like that it's my job to worry as their mother, not their job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Charlotte's probably at the age now where, like, she knows that, like, her grandparents are important figures in history and that her mom is an important figure in history. How do you talk about her family tree with her? Well, you know, I I let her, like, ask the questions, you know, which she does. She is, I think, similar to me in that she's, like, really proud of her grandparents and also, like... She's just starting third grade, and, like, that's her life, and that's yeah, exactly yeah. where I want her to be. When you were leaving the White House, with like, and, and the Bush family was coming in, I don't know, how old were Jenna and Barbara at that point? I was 20. 20, yeah. I think they're two years younger than I am, but okay. don't quote me on that. They could be, like, three or four or one was year Was there, like, any maybe. advice that you gave as, like, is a, a first child leaving the White House to these, this, these new group of girls that were coming in? Oh, my in? gosh, I always say to any young person in anything akin to, you know, what I grew up with, like, I am an open door. Different people have taken me up on that, and other people haven't, but it's right. an open offer without expiration. Yeah. I was very happy and also moved when you were standing up for Baron Trump and when he was having a lot of... Oh, I was I was furious. Yeah. I think it's just unconscionable when adults make fun of children. Yeah. As someone who was a kid that adults made fun of. I would hope, though, you don't have to have that lived experience to still just have a Absolutely, real have that empathy, yeah. empathy and like indignation. Like, this is yeah, just it's, wrong. It, it, we all should know that that's right? wrong. We should all just know that's yeah, wrong. Yeah, 100%. And, and also that there's... Like, nothing benign about commenting on a kid's appearance, either. Like, that's still creepy and weird. Do you want another coffee? I'm okay right now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like if I have another one, I'm going to, like, jitter out of here. (laughs) But it would be fun to see you jitter. Is that an earthquake? No, Jesse's has you got the coffee. Yes. I think I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. It's delicious. Um... Jitterbug. Do you know how to jitterbug? I don't know how to jitterbug. I don't know how to jitterbug either. (laughs) I know. I took like a ballroom dancing class or maybe I went to a ballroom dancing club. Gosh, I can't even remember now exactly. At Stanford. It was so fun. There was a ballroom dancing class at Stanford? I mean, there was, but it might have been a club. Gosh, I can't remember. It was like 20 some odd years ago. That makes me feel so old. But I remember like learning like the foxtrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. step. Well, you did ballet as a kid, I did right? ballet as a kid. And Charlotte does a ballet now. And, like, our, all our, I'm a big believer. Like, all our kids are in different forms of, like, dance. Like, even if they only do it for a few years, I think it teaches you such, like, body awareness yeah. and posture and hopefully core strength and just how you move yeah. in space that I think is helpful for whatever sport or non-athletic endeavor or endeavors that you feel drawn to in life. But I always wanted to like learn the Charleston uh-huh. and like the jitterbug and like swing. Oh my gosh, what was that movie, Jesse, about like the swing dancers in Nazi Germany? Do you know what I'm talking about? What was that called? It, I loved that movie as a um, kid. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know about? what you're talking about. I can't, I can't. Now I feel that. like I have to go find out what that is and also figure out where I can take Mark. <laughs> he took ballroom, he took ballroom dancing lessons with me before our wedding. Oh, that's sweet. Which is very sweet. It was his idea. I was like, really? You want to learn how to actually ballroom dance? And then we we had a choreographed wedding dance because Mark oh, was like, I need a plan. Oh my God. Tell me about that. He was like, I can't make it up on the fly. 
Um, and I was like, I could lead. Like, this is no issue. And That's he's amazing. like, I can't. I don't even think I'm going to be able to follow directions. You had a choreographer help you? We had a choreographer. That's awesome. All on his own instigation. I was like, I this is amazing. I feel like a lot of amazing. couples do that. Yes. Like, it's a big moment. It's, it's a, big a lot moment. of pressure. Everyone's looking at you. Yes. So I was very surprised and touched, and it was so fun to do. Justin and I, for our first dance, um, our friend Shoshana Bean, who you are also oh. a friend of, sang our, our first song. She was a guest at our wedding, but we're like, we, we sing one song for us. So she sang Rihanna's Diamonds, like a really slow version of that song. It's and we beautiful. just had a very simple, like, swaying dance. And then we invited our guests to join us ASAP because we did not want all the eyes on us. Um, You're like, and that was long enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. like, what is the, it's sort of back to the first part of our conversation. Like, yeah. what is the right duration? Yes, exactly. For different <laughs> life moments and circumstances. That's right. Whether That's theater right. or wedding bands. Yeah. yeah. So funny. Um, I haven't thought about that in a long time. I'm going to tell Mark, I'm going to remind him now. Like, remember you keep offering periodically once your back is all healed. But where do you, do you where do you, I mean, we don't like go out to like dance halls now. No. Like, where do we use the skill? <laughs> In our, weddings, in our living room? In our living room, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes if weddings? I'm having a bad day, Justin, I think it's so sweet. He's like, do you want to slow dance for a little while? And we'll just stand in our kitchen and like hold each other and slow dance. I think it's very sweet. That's very sweet. We have yeah. a lot of dance parties in our house, admittedly, yeah. but more just, again, to like, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce also back. Well, but um, they're also, it's funny, like the things that our kids get very into, like mm-hmm. the song, like Aiden is obsessed with Imagine Dragons right now. And Beethoven. Oh, interesting. You know, we're just going to be all things yeah. simultaneously. And watching him, like, transition in his dancing from, like, Imagine Dragons <laughs> to, like, the Fifth Symphony is just kind of a magical so genius. thing to witness. I mean, I watched your daughter, Charlotte, do an amazing interpretive <laughs> oh, dance. Oh, yes. To, it might have been We Three Kings. To the Dolly Parton version, because we also had That's, very specific yes. favorite versions of Christmas music. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, we're very into interpretive dance and just so dancing great. in general. I had forgotten that. Yes, with the yes. star, she had the prop too. She had the props because it was Christmas time. Yes. And I went over because you were celebrating both um, the Jewish holiday yes. and Christmas. Yes. And so I watched the, the candles being lit yes. and all that and the songs. And then and then yeah. we transitioned right into We Three Kings and Charlotte did interpretive dance. You said dance, she really does like an audience. So I think you yeah. and Justin oh. were very, you had to sit down. I think she ran off to her room, pulled out a little costume, <laughs> came back. Yes. She was ready. Yes. And you're like, this is very serious. Yes, we have a little performer on our hands. Yes. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, I'll talk to Chelsea about the important work she's doing around climate change and reproductive justice, and what advice she has for those concerned about the state of the country. Okay, be right back. Support for today's episode comes from Hexclad. I hosted the Jane's Beard Awards um, twice, actually. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. And Hexclad is the official cookware of the James Beard Foundation. So I was so happy to hear their Dinners on Me sponsors. Hexclad has revolutionized the cookware industry with an all-in-one hybrid pan that gives you the convenience and cleanup of nonstick, the versatility of your grandma's cast iron, and the durability to last a lifetime. Whether you want to make that perfect steak dinner on date night or ditch that greasy pan from your college apartment, Hexclad has you covered. James Beard celebrates incredible chefs annually with their prestigious awards that I have had the privilege of handing out. Again, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. And it's no surprise that Hexclad is their official cookware. They are a chef's dream and I, I just, I love cooking with them. I feel so professional when I do. Hexclad also has a lifetime warranty. These are literally the last set of pots and pans you will ever have to buy. Trust me when I say your partner, your family, and all your dinner guests will thank you. So, chef, now is the time to upgrade that kitchen. For a limited time only, our listeners get 10% off their order with an exclusive link. Just head to hexclad.com slash JTF. Support our show and check them out at H-E-X-C-L-A-D dot com forward slash J-T-F. Bon appetit. Let's eat with Hexclad's revolutionary cookware. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, so listen, I was in my kitchen the other day and I'm, I'm very particular about how I like things in the kitchen. I need things to be in a specific place. I like things to stay clean. So imagine my frustration when I saw that my husband, Justin, had left an empty can of cold brew and a wrapper from protein bar 
on the counter right next to the recycling bin. Why couldn't he just open the drawer with the, with the recycling bin in it and put it in there? This is something I need to get off my chest. Therapy is a very safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I mean, I've learned a lot from therapy and I have learned that, you know, I need to pick my battles. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash dinners today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dinners. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Can we talk a little bit about the your work with the Clinton Foundation and yes. the Global Initiative? One thing I noticed, I don't know if you watched the Republican um, debates, but... There I, did, was, I did um, not do that to myself. I didn't did do it to like, myself either. I watched clips I, later. I watched clips later. I did do that. Um, but I did see that there was one of uh, a young Republican asked a question talking about how kind of on both sides for young people right now, global warming is a huge, huge important issue. And I was wondering if that surprised you to hear that. Um, I know it's work that you are also really passionate about. Mm-hmm. If we look at what you know, young people say really galvanizes them, like global warming is often, understandably, you know, at the top of the list because of how existential it is, and also because adults, uh, rather deplorably, like haven't done enough to mm-hmm. either ameliorate global warming or stop its progression, and it's existential for all of us. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. I'm also not surprised because. There are conservatives who are very concerned about global warming, like sometimes from a religious position of like, you know, God gave us like this miraculous gift like of earth. Like we have a religious as well as like a moral and ethical obligation imperative to take care of our planet. So I'm actually not terribly surprised that a question like that was asked in the Republican debate. I also watched that and saw how many of the candidates either just ignored the science that yeah. is pretty in, unimpeachable and clear. Yeah. You know, or were kind of dismissive of the need for urgent action. Right. Um, and I do think, you know, if we look at one of the defining dynamics of this moment that we're living through, I think we see on the Republican side, you know, often just a real dismissal of reality and of very clear facts, whether that's around the 2020 election mm-hmm. or vaccines and vaccinations yeah. or climate change. And I find that really troubling because, you know, if we think about even President Reagan, with whom I disagreed on you know, many, many fronts, like at least now as an adult, I'd like to say I was like six years old and hyper tuned <laughs> in to national politics, although I was not at the time. You know, the Reagan administration led the effort to ban like chlorofluorocarbons mm-hmm. and to really help eradicate acid rain. You know, President Nixon like led you know, the effort, his administration at least, for the Clean Water Act, for the Clean Air Act, the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency. It's possible for it to be a bipartisan. Yeah, and for many years right. it was, mm-hmm. right? I guess I, I'm, I have two questions. Like, what? First of all, what can we do? But also, like, what is the the Clinton Foundation like? Well, I think first of all, I'll start kind of in the political context because we know that clearly who's in office matters. Yeah. Um, you know, even you know Charlotte Naden, you are in. Second and third grade, you know, know that Donald Trump took us out of the Paris Climate Accord and that we kind of lost momentum, to put it mildly, when Mm. he was in office. Um, And so I do think helping more people be more aware of why he's elected really matters, particularly at the federal level. We're thinking about, are we going to modernize our grid so that we can store more electricity and have more electricity generated from renewable sources in a durable, sustainable way. Like we need federal government leadership on kind of big questions like that. And so I'm a huge believer that we have to make individual choices. Like I do not subscribe to the people who are like, what you're doing doesn't matter. I think it matters both because 
the math matters, right? If everyone drove EVs, if everyone yeah. recycled, like we would all be in a better place. And also I think it matters because it helps people feel connected like mm. to these otherwise often like very overwhelming issues, right? Mm -hmm. I think so action, meaningful action, even on a small scale, I think helps like prevent climate anxiety, but also helps us all feel better connected to like we are in this together. Right, right. So that's right. something that we've done in through the Clinton Global Initiative, you know, making increasingly climate as a focus, climate and health, mm -hmm. um, because we know extreme heat um, which we've been living through here yes. in the United States over the summer, as has so much of the world. It was a huge health risk for anyone who's already vulnerable, but also more likely to lead to food insecurity. I know that you're also really passionate about um, reproductive rights, SMI. Talk a little bit about that and like what the foundation's doing around that. So the, the Clinton Health Access Initiative, which is the, the global health kind of organization, you know, does a lot to support women and kids around the world and accessing, you know, just good quality, like prenatal and postnatal care, trying to ensure that no woman dies while giving birth um, anywhere in the world. Sometimes that is, you know, helping women think through like child spacing, sometimes it is through like whatever the right contraception it is for them or whether or not they need, you know, abortion care mm -hmm. for whatever reason. You know, here in this country on a personal level, so not a foundation level, but on a you know, personal level, um, you know, particularly my mom and me, you know, are doing all that we can to help people understand um, why we need to, again, take abortion out of the political context and put it yeah. back in the medical context. When I've talked to people you know, in media often, they're like, well, this was last year's issue. Mm. Like, if you're one of the tens of a million American women of reproductive age, like living in states where you no longer have access, to medically indicated care or care that I think should be like your fundamental human right. Mm -hmm. Like the news cycle doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? So I think we have to keep reminding those of us who don't live in those states, candidly, right. like why we need to care about all the women who do. Yeah, absolutely. And to have, you know, still national pressure. Well, thank you for the work that you do. Well, we just I have mean, to keep going. Stay on brand. Yes. We obviously have a pretty big election coming up. People always ask me anytime I'm sort of in, that, in a political space, like, what can I do to, you know, what, I'm concerned about this next election. What can I do? And I always tell people, first of all, vote um, and then get involved in ways that you feel like might be impactful. I mean, what advice do you have for people when they ask you what they can do? I think, like I think, this. of course, vote and also don't take it for granted that everyone you know is registered to vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it sounds maybe trite, but the greatest indication of whether someone votes is whether or not they're registered. And many states, thankfully, now have same-day registration, though still many do not. And so just making sure that, like, everyone you know is registered to vote and that has a plan to go vote. And take uh, your kids to vote. And if yeah. they don't have fun stickers at your polling place, ask them to make that marginal investment because... It, it has a real impact. I see with my kids, like they're so excited when they get their future voter stickers. Right. Do you remember the first time you voted? Oh, yes. I remember the first time I voted. And I remember how excited I was when I got to vote for my mom. Mm, I'm I sure, I was never yeah. old enough to vote for my dad. Yeah. What are your hopes for this country in the next few years? I hope that you know, we continue to move toward a more perfect union. Yeah. That we continue to kind of build a more robust, inclusive democracy. That we continue to, you know, have debates, of course, and dialogue, of course, but also then make decisions rooted in shared reality and science. We have deeply troubled by the complete kind of not only dismissal but derision, threats even against you know people who are working on whether vaccines or working on climate change like i would i would also like us to never be in a place where we're not you know looking to hold power to account but be in a place where we're not using violence as a kind of means or mechanism of political discourse or discourse around around science yeah, i think that's also yeah. um, something i would like to see us of move beyond. Yeah, I just want to finish off by saying, like, I, I really love the children's books that you've written, and Thank I didn't you. personally know this, but she persisted around the world. Is that the name of the book? Wait, I've written a whole like different. She persisted. There's she okay. persisted. She persisted around the world, sport, science. And is it she persisted around the world that was turned into a musical? 
No, that was she persisted. The first one was turned into a musical, and it's wonderful. If I do, I, again, I'm biased. Tell me a little bit about that because I know you're a big oh, lover of the theater. It's completely charming and fun and informative, and it's about like these kids who are on a museum trip and then like kind of fall into the stories of these inspiring historical. And contemporary figures. There's one about Sonia Sotomayor at the end. Uh-huh. Um, it's very fun. And so it was I, written, it's written to turn to a musical for kids to do at schools. So initially, children's theater. Are we talking theater, about Broadway 2024? I mean, <laughs> it's even shorter than your 90 minutes tour de force. So okay. I think it may not quite have enough heft, but we could talk to some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in like children's theater. And I took Charlotte and Aiden to see it, and it was so fun. It was great. I mean, I feel great. like you've done a lot of really amazing things but maybe in your that life, was... but like that kind of might be the coolest to well, have one of your children's books turn, turn into, into a musical. musical. Yeah. That you could take your kids to. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It was pretty cool. It yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy you came to meet me. Thank you for having me. This is the only way I got to see you. Oh, no, that's not true. We already talked podcast. about how, like, you have to like come like you know for the next like children's performance of yeah. whatever Taylor Swift song is. I know. Which is your. I know. She's moved away from We Three Kings into like. Well, no, Christmas is always Swift. sort of like tsunamis everything, and and Hanukkah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's a Hanukkah shake it off. Let's just bring it all no, together before the end of the there show. There is not a Hanukkah shake it oh, off. Oh, there is. <laughs> there is, and our children love it so much that we listen to it like. Even wait, in September. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I need clarification. There's actually a version of Shake It Off that's made for Hanukkah, or that's this is something that your children created? No, they they, they are very creative, but they're not quite. It's like a Hanukkah oh, actually, cover? You know what? Oh, yeah. Lock is on my plate. Oh, it's pretty genius. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I pray to God Taylor Swift has heard this. I mean, if she hasn't, her team is failing her. Oh, my it's God. It's pretty special. This is genius. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, sit, I'll text it to you so you can Please listen to the do. whole thing. Oh, yeah. Hanukkah, shake it off. That is uh-huh. spectacular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm just so happy to leave you with a smile. Oh, it really did leave me with a smile. Um, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Walking down the street. Yeah, thanks for giving me a delicious lunch. Sure. Fun conversation. Next time on Dinners on Me, Soledad O'Brien will get into her parents' incredible love story, what it was like covering some of our country's biggest stories, and the media moments that really rile her up. Oh, she's also a very good Twitter follow. Okay, well, I'm still calling it Twitter. And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, you not only get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen to them completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale Shee composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week 